distinctly when it began, but it was months ago. The general tension was horrible. To a season of political and social upheaval was added a strange and brooding apprehension of hideous physical danger, a danger widespread and all-embracing. Such a danger as may be imagined only in the most terrible phantasms of the night. I recall that the people went about with pale and worried faces and whispered warnings and prophecies which no one dared consciously repeat or acknowledge to himself that he had heard. A sense of monstrous guilt was upon the land, and out of the abysses between the stars swept chill currents that made men shiver in dark and lonely places. There was a demoniac alteration in the sequence of the seasons. The autumn heat lingered fearsomely, and everyone felt that the world, and perhaps the universe, had passed from the control of known gods or forces to that of gods or forces which were unknown. And it was then that Nyarlathotep came, and where Nyarlathotep went, rest vanished, for the small hours were rent with the screams of nightmare. Nathaniel Derby Pickman's Personal Log, July 2, 2021, Pickman Foundation Headquarters, Miskatonic University, Arkham, Massachusetts. Today was a good day, a rectification of a grave error on our part. We had lost one of our key assets, the Dyer Station Research Facility, to a fifth column, the Protector Cult, led by William Dyer's Sheva granddaughter, Dr. Cassandra Tate. We got a P.I. on the case, and discovered Dyer had her mother adopted at birth. He closed adoption, ensuring no connection on paper, but he left his heiresses with a memory stone as a guide. We have naively recruited Dr. Tate as far back as 1999 the inception of the project. She studied at UC Berkeley and had Berkeley sensibilities, but her idealism struck us as naively malleable rather than religiously dogmatic. She also had a strong reference from Vertical Core, our main private sector allies in California. Even Edison Fordham, then CEO of Vertical Core and now CEO of the New California Republic, claimed she was the best in her field. Fordham is a bit nouveau riche for my tastes, but the man knows a good worker when he sees one. So of course we recruited her. She rose through the ranks over more than 20 Antarctic winters, gathering a tight-knit group of sapic scientists around her and concealing her sympathy for the protector cult until her false god finally returned. We always knew that it was necessary to keep an eye on the station, but that eye turned out to be blind. 
None of us desired to live on the bottom of the earth, getting frostbite when we could remain at home in the old colony state. So we sent lower level members down there to monitor and report back. That little halfwit Mason Morell was the latest. Barely a day over twelve, but he seemed eager enough. Shamefully, the fool only figured out the dire girl's agenda when she began to advance it openly, and he paid for his blunder with his life. But today, we have rectified this potentially catastrophic oversight. Today, Nyarlathotep, the tall man, the walking shadow, the crawling chaos, activated Don Levy's automatons at the station. The metal golems killed every human on the base, including the entirety of the Protector Cult's leadership. Don Levy's machines then burnt Dyer's diary and shattered the memory stone before wiping all station data and finally self-terminating to destroy all of Dyer Station's institutional memory. Although, there are still protector cultists scattered across the planet, they are largely isolated and we've cut off the head. In effect, the No Fate Project and the Protector Cult are dead. This culminates Nyarlathotep's triumph over our main rivals. Having defeated Cognito Inc., the Justified Ancients of Mumu, the Sons of Adam, the Gozerian Society, and the Stonecutters in a mere month. Our only remaining task is to isolate the spy, known as Agent 99, who's leaking Pikmin Foundation secrets to the scattered few who care. A routine purge may be in order. Happily, these petty human affairs will soon be moot, as signs point to the end of the Anthropocene and the return of the Cthulhucene. The great cephalopod existed long before degenerate chimps, and will outlive us faithfully, Pikmin. Nathaniel Derby Pikmin's personal log, July 5th, 2021. Reporting from Beyond the Grave. Bad news first, then good. We found out too late that just as we had an operative at Dyer Station, the mysterious Agent 99 who was leaking our secrets operated out of our own office at Miskatonic. The counter-spy Veronica worked as my secretary, sorry, executive assistant. After our apparent victory, Veronica struck. The targeted a Friday morning meeting of the Foundation's entire leadership, lacing our coffee with VX, an odorless, tasteless, and lethal nerve agent. I can respect the woman's lethal technique. Poison is a method with quite a pedigree. But she lost all of my respect with her following actions. The classless bloodsucker ransacked our wallets, then got to work scanning our most sacred documents, publishing them anonymously online, and not to mention embezzling my money. My modest salary, earnings from various legitimate assets, and worst of all, my hard-earned inheritance. 
I can respect the killer, but not a common thief. Funny thing is, during all that time online, the girl uncharacteristically ignored all social media and did not contact any friends and family until the end. She's always visiting Freebook when she's on the payroll, so this focus on her chosen work was strangely infuriating. After wrapping up her work destroying our venerable institution, she finally told close friends and family that she'd be gone for a long time and not to worry about her. Ignoring the immediate flurry of concerned messages, Veronica then deleted all of her social media accounts and threw her phone in the hearth. The girl left with a barbaric parting shot. She took down the antique family portrait that hangs behind my desk, replacing it with a blue-tacked photograph of Dyer's lying-stealing granddaughter, raising a glass at some homophile celebration. The traitor had scrawled the Protector cult motto, Patronum Deus Est, on the photo. Removing my kin's portrait was no small feat, and the girl showed some pride in it, so clearly it meant something to her. Perhaps she delusionally thought she was replacing an old family with a new one. Given these out-and-proud types like to call each other family. Now don't get me wrong, I'm no Catholic hypocrite. The old ones don't care about petty human notions of morality. But as opposed to morality, hierarchy must be preserved. We are subordinate only to the old ones. Every man of status can and should take at least one manservant to serve his carnal needs. Don Levy understood this well when he chose the runt Morel who the rest of us had cast off. Fagging is a grand old tradition. But you don't call your manservant a wife except to degrade him, and you certainly don't call him husband. He's a peon, punk, a peasant. You don't take a peasant home and serve him dinner. We must keep these things separate. Family is blood. It's bequeathment. It's birthright. The sentimental notion of chosen families is an inferior substitute for the justly impoverished, much like a blue-tacked photograph can't replace antique portraiture. My kin's portrait has stayed in place for centuries only to be disrespected by some California girl born in 1999. It is like that girl is mocking me, sensing my presence. But that's probably giving too much credit to a glorified secretary. I really should have hired from New England stock, kept it in the family. But on seeing the strumpet in that interview room, my basest instincts betrayed me. Now my existence is spectral, wandering our dusty headquarters at Miskatonic. If my colleagues or family's souls also linger, they remain invisible to me. Nobody outside even knows we're gone yet, as the world rushes on without us. Tonight our wives will wonder where we are, speculating on whether we are working overtime or likelier hiring rent boys. But they won't get the gendarmes involved for at least a day. By then it will be too late. 
as our assassin has already left Arkham. Her last act online was to book a one-way flight to Cuba under a false name, with enough of my hard-earned inheritance to live comfortably for a lifetime. The good news is that lifetime will likely be short. All sides indicate humanity's time is finally ending. The remaining kaiju have reached the end of their road to Damascus, where a final battle grooves. Worldwide, the psychoanalysts in our pockets have reported that nightmares of the old ones are universal, no longer confined to stray visionary neurotics. We hear a beautiful histrophony originating near the Pacific Pole inaccessibility where our lord slumbers. Soon to wake, all human action now is futile and the Pikmin Foundation's work is done. My one remaining task is to haunt the who stole my inheritance until the bitter end, though she seems blissfully ignorant of my presence. I cannot move objects to frighten the I cannot even unsettle her with a whisper or a howl. The woman has rendered me utterly impotent. How am I to finish this unfinished business? But even without my intervention, she will die with the rest of humanity. Here's hoping I get to see the thief devoured by ancient, beautiful beasts. Hollywood Deus Est. this incident based on sworn testimony. Can you prove that it didn't happen? We once laughed at the horseless carriage, the airplane, the telephone, the electric light, vitamins, radio, and even television. And now some of us laugh in outer space. God help us in the future.